Welcome to King of the Cast, a pro wrestling podcast for fans by fans. Today's four questions episode will be with Jason Gary. Jason is one of our King of the Cast panelists and is here to answer four questions and then ask me four questions and we'll see where our conversation takes us. Be sure to follow King of the Cast on Facebook and Twitter at King of the Cast. Send us any questions or comments and if you'd like to be a guest on a four questions episode, please send me a message and we'll see what we can do. For now, enjoy this episode of King of the Cast, Four Questions with Jason Gary. Are you ready for this, Jason? Oh, I'm ready. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, your first question is from me is going to be about a dream match. Everybody always has this idea that there's wrestlers out there that they would love to have seen had a match against each other or a feud against each other that uh, they never got to see. And so uh, my question is, can you think of uh, two wrestlers, or even if it was two tag teams or something like that, but a dream match you wish you could have seen. And if you can't think of one that you, or you don't know if it ever happened or not, uh, it could certainly be one you wished you would have uh, got to see in person. Oh, yeah, it's coming to mind. I would love to see CM Punk and AJ Styles. I don't know if they've ever done it in the indies or low, but I think that would be a great match. Uh, what is it about those two that uh, makes you want to see them go one-on-one? -on -one? Um, they're wrestling, they're wrestling, and they both can talk. They could build the feud up with it. The, they both are great on the mic, and the technical wrestling. I, I just think they could put an hour-long match on. It'd be great. I think that uh, that kind of leads me to a question I'm going to ask you later. So I'm going to I'm going to hold off on that one. But uh, what I was about to say, but um, that would have been a, a really solid matchup between those two, uh, especially when it comes to technical wrestling. I think both of them can yes. hold their own when it comes to technical wrestling. Um, when it comes to characters, at what point in, uh, let's do what CM Punk side. What, and this does not count as an extra question. I'm just elaborating on the first yeah. one. Um, okay. At what point in Punk's career do you think that match would have had the most impact? I think after the pipe bomb. Like afterwards? so popular. Afterwards, yeah. If they built it on and if AJ was in there or if they got him afterwards, I think it would have been, that would have been great. Be, I think it could headline a WrestleMania. What do you think? Are they big enough, both of those names, to headline it, or would you think it could be a co-main event? I think that would probably end up being a co-main event um, for for WWE. I think if it had happened maybe in another promotion, it would certainly be uh, right. the main event of a major pay-per-view. Um, the only reason I say that for WWE purposes is they always seem to have a um, big man of some sort in there as a You're right. as a main eventer, and and both those guys, you know, neither one are are super huge, so physically but um but bigger than they are you know stature wise they're bigger as characters right um oh so i hate to go off subject real quick but i've been listening to jr this week on he was grilling with jr and he went into that big time about if you weren't over six foot this man would not look at you that's he was down on jericho because Jer he was and because jericho was not he's five eleven. And JR doesn't care. And Vince said, it's up to you. But yeah, Vince wants somebody over six foot. He won't even give you a time or day, like you're saying, about their height. Yeah, and I think some of that is, you know, the, the big man in WWE has always been kind of that uh, showpiece. And right. he sees the, the smaller guys as, uh, you know, as undercard guys and the big guys as main eventers. Um, luckily, because of other promotions, starting really with WCW in my mind, um, given smaller wrestlers big opportunities, 
Um, I think some of that's disappearing, certainly in today's world. We know main eventers are made through their interviews, their promos, their um, you know, the storyline, and their in-ring work, not just their right. physical size, you know, but uh, right. I kind of get it. I mean, if I'd made a huge splash with Hulk Hogan and other guys like that, I'd, I'd want to follow that, um, right. that mold and, and go with what works. But uh, I think there are guys out there nowadays who are just are, are bigger than their physical size when it comes to professional right. wrestling and have proven that. Um, right. And I think Jericho and, and CM Punk and AJ Styles are all tr- are great examples of that. When AJ um, first debuted in the Royal Rumble for WWE and got that big pop, uh, immediately I thought about all the different guys that I would like to see AJ Styles wrestle. He hadn't gotten to wrestle in a WWE ring and see how a WWE match would look. And certainly right. CM Punk's one of those guys that um, I, I like. Oh, yeah. Did you? Uh, did you watch the uh, Undertaker match at WrestleMania with AJ? Yes. So uh, what did you think of that match? This is not great. And again, this is not one of your questions. I'm just wondering. Oh, no, no. I thought it was great. Like you said, AJ sold his butt off. He played it. He was just great. He's a great performer. And I think, and I think Undertaker sells good, too. I was. I could imp- keep watching Undertaker do that every year. If he could just do one a year, I could, do, I could see him doing that if they could do matches like that he didn't have to be in the ring yeah I mean I for what it was I thought it, it was enjoyable and I thought it was well done um it wasn't a tr- certainly at all a traditional professional wrestling match but uh for what it was I thought it was well done and I thought it did showcase AJ and the Undertaker in, in, in a good way but um yeah it would be cool uh there's a lot of rumors going around right now that CM Punk might be the um that internet hacker character uh, on WWE. Have you heard those rumors? No. Are you serious? Yeah. You just got my heart up. <laughs> oh, my Lord. No, uh, I haven't heard that. And I've been on the wrestling things this week, and I hadn't seen nothing about that. Yeah, some stuff has shown up this week that he might be the hacker. So uh, maybe maybe uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Maybe we might could see that. Yes. And I mean, <laughs> AJ's getting a huge push right now um, beyond The Undertaker. There's a lot of stuff coming out. He showed up you know, he's going to show up on TV this week and then um, kind of doing some, letting him do interviews again and stuff post Undertaker match. So he's coming back and I imagine without Anderson and Gallows, there'll be a big switch for his character. Um, yeah. So that'd be amazing if your dream match is something that's in the works. Oh, yeah. We'll just have to well, did you see, see. Did you see the internet trolling? I've been listening. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts this week and that people were kind of mad that how they know. So when AJ came back on Monday Night Raw, kind of just left it out didn't talk about the match and just didn't you know it went on oh so what I got buried people were dogging that yeah I don't know how you go on from that uh you know getting buried alive type idea <laughs> to you just kind of have to come back and act like and just move it on I happen. think that's yeah right. I think that's the only way uh you can do it to so have AJ say well I really didn't lose I didn't get pinned in the ring and then move on um, right you know but uh well they had to bring you back he's one of their biggest stars right now. You had to. Well, yeah, especially with so many people gone. Uh, right. You know, it's certainly somebody they need to be using for sure. All right. Let's get on to question number two. All right. And this is one that pops up in a lot of these four questions. And it's just because I find it a very intriguing um, question. And that's coming up with your four favorite wrestlers or the Mount Rushmore if you were building the monument. For wrestling, and um, I always like to give people that opportunity to kind of put it in a time frame 
or even to yep. a different into federations. Like for instance, when Greg did it, he did it for Memphis wrestling or when okay. uh, uh, Aaron did his, he did it uh, for the WWF version of federation time of WWF. Okay. Um, so you can, you get to choose what, uh, is it four or five? Four. Four. Um, okay. Four for Mount like Rushmore. Uh, like yeah. when we talk, that's hard, man. It is hard. It is, but I you have just have, I have to have Triple H. He's okay. number one, probably. Triple so H. If, so if you think of Triple H, what era Triple H are you talking about? 1999. Talking? When, well, when he finally, he carried it, got the title and stuff. You know, when he married, did the storyline marry, you know, Stephanie. They kind of put him to run the show because I think it wasn't Steve Austin hurt. Right. So you're looking at like post-DX? Post-DX, yeah. After, okay. Yeah. All right. So if you're actually going into evolution and all those he did. Yeah. I love, I love that. I just, I'm a Mark Coyne. He's my okay. favorite. All right. So there's and one. Like, there's one. Uh, CM Punk. I so, love him. <laughs> I know. I know CM Punk's one of your favorites. So you're going to put CM yeah. Punk and Triple H up there. I have to put Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I know yeah. you don't. Because <laughs> he's the one that got me into it, draw me. That's, and then, oh man, the fourth one's hard. <laughs> it is. I've I've been asked similar questions, and uh, Zach in his episode asked me like my five favorite uh, wrestlers and rank them from fifth to first. And as soon as I was done with that podcast, I started thinking of twenty other people I wish I'd have yeah, put in that like top five. <laughs> so uh, I I understand why uh, Bruce Pritchard on his podcast always puts people in his top five. Um, right. Yeah, he, he must have fifty people in every top five. So I totally Stone Cold. It. So you put Stone Cold up there. Yeah, I got to put him in there. Because he's the one that got me back into wrestling again. When it got hot, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin staying on Raw. I would flip back and forth, you know, WCW and all that. And then when Stone Cold brought me back into it, I had quit watching it. Because it just got too gimmick, you know, too cartoonish. Or gimmick at it like what's going on. But Stone Cold brought me back. And I've been on that. Yeah, it has to be, yeah, Stone Cold. That was one I kind of wished I, I regretted not putting in my top five. Uh, because for the same reason that... Yeah. You know, I, I had stopped watching WWF and was pretty much only watching WCW. Um, yeah, I was and, too. And then the Stone Cold stuff started to really ramp up and that drew me right back in. And uh, I got, you know, I was, like you said, I was flipping back and forth and trying to watch both shows at the same time or, or uh, yeah. uh, recording one and, and uh, watching one live and I remember they used to do those replays of Nitro, like it would play for three hours and immediately play for three hours afterwards, like six yes. straight hours of Nitro. So I usually would watch Raw and then as soon as I flip over to the replay of Nitro and watch it till, you know, I couldn't, you know, probably usually fell asleep somewhere oh, in yeah. the third hour. But yeah, that was a, a great time. And I certainly think that Stone Cold deserves a spot oh. on a, on a oh, Mount yeah. Rushmore of wrestling because I think he, that, that storyline and his work during that time, yeah was just amazing um, it was like you said i he got me going and then you know they had the young rock with the nation and then it just blew up <laughs> oh yeah and then and, dx uh, you know triple h i mean Shawn michaels and dx it just it took over <laughs> but it was it stone code that started it the fighting with this man and then when he laid his hands on him you're like oh lord can't wait the next week <laughs> right right yeah and I, you know we, us here in lexington we're lucky enough to get you know, part of that storyline at a raw at Rupp. And, oh, I was there. Uh, yeah. And had, <laughs> so uh, that was really cool. And to see Stone Cold come out on top of the blood bank uh, van and, 
uh, in yep. Rough Arena and stuff like that. And we got a big, we're a big kind of part of that storyline, which was really cool too. So. Oh, I was there. And I got an edge. He was in um, Sunday Night Heat beforehand. Yeah. He got bloodbath. Well, edge yeah. came out of the crowd and I had to record it. My dad and I were in the end. He gave both me and my dad five. We were right there. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he had came down the aisle that we were at and he still had the blood, the same blood on his hands. And we looked at our hands afterwards. He had that same <laughs> blood on our hands. So he got bloodbath. He got bloodbath on heat. And then, oh, hey, yes. then, then high fived you during Raw. And during Raw, you know, he uh. would come. You think you know? You couldn't believe our high hearts, man. I recorded that too. I have the videotapes. <laughs> I wonder if that's yeah. on the. Uh, that's the same Raw that I've talked about so many times that I want to get back Stone into. Stone Cold it. fell and broke the windshield. He was right there under yeah. us. Uh, I wonder. Arena. I wonder if uh, I could go back and find that in on Raw Edge giving you a high five. If it showed up yes, on TV, you can. Okay. It was. It shows him. You can see me and my dad right there, and he's giving us five edges. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll go back and find it on the um, on that raw episode. In our next episode, I'll give everybody the time and stuff to yeah. to check it out on it's the network. Awesome. That's yeah. cool because that that's the same uh, episode where the I believe that's all the same episode is where the when the Billy Gunn threw the rock in my lap. Uh, on the front row. So I meant to ask you that. Is that that was the one? I believe that you were so. At? I believe so. Okay. I've been I've been to so many, and I think that's all the same episode. Um, so I'll they go run back together. Back. <laughs> they do start to run together, but I think uh, that'd be cool if you and myself and Molly were all featured on Raw that night. Yes. Uh, that'd be really cool to go back and check that out. Um, but oh, I think yeah, you can daylight. You can see it coming down. You know when he have our hands and he hits our hands. <laughs> that's that's cool. I. Um, I actually enjoyed Dan Grell and that character and the bloodbath and stuff. I thought that was a really neat um, concept for Edge and Christian and Dan Grell when it first started out being the brood. And it, oh, you know, wow. it was, I enjoyed it. Um, I actually enjoyed I did too. Dan Grell's work um, in the ring. And I, I know he's, you know, fell on some hard times here and there and had some issues, but uh, I always enjoyed that, that character and the, um, I loved it, but, uh, and you know what made it to me? I loved his theme song. His music was great. Oh, he did. He did have tremendous theme music for sure. I love that music he had for Gangrel. Then coming up from the stage, I like yeah. the Gangrel character. Yeah, and with Edge right. and Christian. Well, I think that's a solid Mount Rushmore. Uh, you've got probably the biggest icon of wrestling in Hulk Hogan. You've got one of the most influential people in professional wrestling at Triple H. Probably the the biggest name of professional wrestling during the Monday Night Roar Wars is. Uh, you know, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then your favorite, CM Punk, which in uh, more recent histories had a huge impact on probably the direction wrestling has gone and uh, yeah. kind of breaking down the, the fourth wall, kind of uh, allowing the fan to, to enjoy professional wrestling in a different way. So um, since his time uh, being featured on Raw and also, you know, given opportunities for guys like himself and AJ Styles and, and stuff to be the main eventer. I think CM Punk had a big part of that. So I think that's a great yeah. Mount Rushmore. All right, let's move on to question three. Who do you think is the most underrated wrestler? A guy you've followed who really couldn't get out of the mid card that you really felt if had given the right push could have been a main eventer. Hmm. There's a, there's a couple on there. All right. Dang, that's a hard one right now. Hold on. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Hmm. They're going to laugh at me for my um, question, too. <laughs> Is it going to be similar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, what? All right. Um, 
Could you say Jeff Hardy, maybe? But they did put the belt on him, but I don't know. He had some problems, right, with substance abuse? Yeah, I think he's been, uh, been his own worst enemy at times, for sure. Um, I don't know if it was for lack of push or lack of them wanting him to be a main eventer. I think that sometimes his, uh, like I said, he was his own worst enemy in those situations sometimes. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Because you thought Matt Hardy was going to be the star of that, and it flipped and wasn't. Jeff Hardy was the star of the Hardy voice. It was, and I would certainly say if I've, that Jeff and Matt both, if you were talking about going from jobber to superstar, yeah. I mean, they, they were jobbers to begin with. You can go back and find old Hardy boys um, matches early on in WWE, and they were just being fed to tag team after tag team after tag team. And then, you know, they get their opportunity and took full advantage of it for sure, right. to become, you know, upper mid-carters at first and, and hold on to um, as, as, as a tag team and then uh, on to, you know, main eventers, both of them. Um, so I think they would definitely be examples of taking advantage of their opportunities. Unfortunately yeah. for Jeff, you know, many times, like I said, it, he uh, was the, his, own, his own worst enemy. But um, Yeah. I couldn't call him underrated then because they did put the title on him. <laughs> right. Well, that's all right. I mean – yeah. I can see I, where you are. I'm trying, uh, trying to think if it's like recent. Hmm. I'm trying to think of all, you know, all the wrestlers. Right. I think, would you, I think Chris Jericho's underrated. Well, definitely. I mean, I've talked about Chris Jericho a lot and, on these and um i certainly think in wwe he was underused um at times yeah. and certainly um not appreciated to the level that his yeah. in-ring and on-camera work do. was doing yeah. yeah um i think let free to explore his own characters and stuff like that he's just one of the one of the greatest yeah uh, for sure. I, I, i'm gonna have to I'm gonna say chris jericho because i think they could they, every time he was a champion, they didn't let him run and be a heel champion or, you know, he's good. I don't know. Yeah, I would say they didn't use utility. I can't talk him better. <laughs> I think Utilia, they, you know what I'm trying to say? What's the word? Utilize? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> utilized, right. him, utilized him better. I would say Chris Jericho's underrated. <laughs> yeah, I feel like every time he was given that major push in the WWE that it was always cut short. Um and it never taken full advantage of. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to, th- on this last question, this is question number four. Uh, we're okay. going to throw out WrestleMania. We're going to pretend, rest- not this year, but ever. WrestleMania doesn't exist as a pay-per-view. We're just going to pretend. Okay. Scenario. So of the other pay-per-views, and these could have been old WCW pay-per-views. I don't know how much you, how close you paid attention to those, but um, certainly could be, a, I know you're a little bit more of a WWF, WWE guy. Um, for the long term, what out of the other? Yeah. When Hall and Nash was there, I watched a lot of them. Of yeah. WCW, okay. So out of Takeaway WrestleMania, yeah. out of all the other pay per views, right. uh, what's your favorite? It has to be WWE. No, it doesn't have to be. Could be any any pay per view. Just not WrestleMania. Not WrestleMania. 
And you could go with like a specific one, like a certain year okay. that you really enjoy, or you could just talk about a concept of one of the pay-per-views that you really like. It's not WrestleMania. I enjoyed um before when they had the blood and all that, like you knew you was going to get it, like the Hell in the Cell one. You knew you was going to get a nice bloodbath. Right. I, I like kind of the hardcore ones. Extreme Rules or the Hell of the Cell. Mm-hmm. I like kind of the gimmick ones. I like Hell in the Cell when they had the blood. But then when they get rid of the blood and all that, I don't enjoy them anymore because, you know, it's well, a yeah. gimmick. Yeah, you can't <laughs> use it. But, yeah, I like Hell in the Cell a lot when they had when Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, when they had that match and then they had the pay-per-view of it. Of it. Yeah, I think that's a neat concept. Um, I, I enjoy some of the gimmick uh, based pay-per-views like the big match is a gimmick match uh, like hell in the cell or um, uh, you know or extreme rules or or things like yeah. that I've always uh, found those to be intriguing I always know there's something to look forward to even if yeah. you're not sold out on the some of the undercard matches um, I already enjoyed it and then I'll say one more I like when they had it and I thought it was cool the taboo Tuesday they made you feel like you know you they're really gonna take your vote I thought that was neat you know what? I, I was surprised that didn't take off uh, and do it more often uh, or continue to do it because, I mean, we still today have so many shows where you call in to vote. You know, all your singing shows right. and things like that are still popular. And um, I was always surprised that that didn't kind of take off. I know in wrestling, you could you could host one and actually never take a call. You don't have to actually yeah. Uh, yeah. to do it. But I, I thought that was a neat concept and it did draw the fans in. It draws. And they actually, this is what Jericho said on on his podcast he's talking when he's talking to jr that you know his match he was even asking kevin dunn um because it was like one of his matches and it was like 20 different 20 or 30 superstars you could pick for to have him fight and he's like can you at least tell me the top three no vince what's your your facial expression and even jr said the commentators they didn't know who was winning or who was in the lead and those they wanted to know you know real reality off their face <laughs> they right. said so they really didn't tell you <laughs> he said you had a you, you kind of knew maybe the top five <laughs> could be in it, but it was pretty cool that he said they didn't tell him backstage, you know, you're, you won this. It was right up to the time the paper you started. <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, there's probably been other times that they've kind of done stuff. I felt like some of the drafts they didn't tell people because you try to get their real reactions right? Uh, yeah. on camera. And you can, you can tell the difference between, you know, a, a reaction when someone's getting the news for the first time versus being prepared for it. So I think that was probably a, a good concept, whether the voting was, was real or not, to not tell right. the, the performers so that they would at least have that, you know, reaction similar to if they were finding out for real for the first time uh, was probably a really cool idea. There have been a lot of, you know, neat ones along the way. Well, I'll tell you one I don't enjoy, and that's Elimination Chamber. I've never been an elimination right. chamber fan and i thought okay. i would be i was excited the first for the very first one of those and then yeah. i just i never could get into elimination chamber and it doesn't have the same impact on me that the cage matches do and right. I, I don't know why that is um i'd still i still just have never been a big elimination chamber fan but i did enjoy hell do you, do you um and did you enjoy the old school survivor series i did I did. Yeah. Um, I also, I liked it when it was almost random. It felt when they would make the teams and they build up the teams, you know, for so long yeah. over a period of time. And you're like, you know, you're so excited to see the, this group of guys be together and be on each other's side. And they would play a lot of, they might put two guys who were feuding on the same team and the, you yeah. know, 
stuff like that. I always thought the buildup for Survivor Series was always a lot of fun. Um, yeah. For sure. I, I really enjoyed Survivor Series when it was traditional Survivor Series matches. Uh, for yeah. so many years, it just became a name. Uh, oh, yeah. Just a regular pay-per-view. Yeah. But, but back when it was the uh, real thing. One thing, I'll tell you a pay-per-view that I really enjoyed in um, a non-WWE was the old War Games pay-per-views. Yes. <laughs> yeah, those That's were great. That's the two rings, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I love those War Games pay-per-views on um, – WCW and the uh, NXT has brought it back some in the last few years. They've had war games uh, pay-per-views yeah. on NXT, which has been really cool to see. Uh, maybe a little tribute to Dusty. Yeah, a little tribute to Dusty say, there. Yeah, it's a Dusty idea. So, so. That was it. I was going to ask you. That was one of Dusty's right war games. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. they said Cody is trying to get all of his dad's stuff if the WWF does not. What is it? You know. Yeah, copyright it or hold the copyright. Yeah, hold the copyrights on it. Yeah, trying to get the names yeah. back and trying he, to get. He wants to get all his dad's stuff back. Yeah, I, mean, I always like those two. All right, man. Well, you did a great job on your four questions. Oh. Now shoot me four, and all see right. how I how I can do. I'm sure you'll do great. You know, like me. Uh, here's your first one. What is your favorite all time storyline? Wow. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot, lot of great storylines out yeah. there. Um, <laughs> they seem to, ooh, that's really tough. Um, I'll tell you, probably one of the best executed storylines ever has to be uh, when Hogan turns heel. Um, yeah. To me, that has to be the best executed storyline ever. That something you didn't see coming, something that you you know, a huge anticipation for you. I mean, that's the height of WCW in my mind and everybody's watching it and everybody um, is watching that particular one, you know, particular uh, show to find out who is going to be the third man and all that yeah. stuff. And then, and then to execute it as Hogan and it not only taking the biggest baby face and making him heal and it working so well, which is, right. huge, but also that, so it, you know, surprised so many people. Um, and it was immediate heat that, um, you know, and already the NWO was hot. So oh, yeah. to add that much more heat to the NWO was just genius by whoever, I don't know if it was Bischoff or whoever came up with the idea at the time, but it was, that was genius uh, storytelling in professional wrestling at a time when stories were getting more realistic. Um, right. You know, w WCW was really wanting to make their storylines more like real life, whereas to try to set themselves apart from WWE, like you said, who at the time was doing a much more gimmicky, cartoony um, type of storyline telling. So to be at the forefront of that um, <clears throat> and it come off so well, I think that has to be certainly the most executed storyline of all time. But I will tell you, I mean, there's been so many storylines that I enjoyed um, right. watching. I mean, I can be entertained by the silliness too. And um, <laughs> I enjoyed, I mean, I mean, anything from a character like a Godfather or Val Venus type character and that was executed well uh, yeah. to get, to get a mid Carter, you know, over. I mean, at, the, at that time, they, you know, WWF had so many guys over, um, and so many storylines going on at one time. They almost were super hard to keep track of. Um, but, you know, some of those funnier ones, or, or even a Santino-type yeah. uh, uh, funny uh, 
storyline can entertain me if it's done well. So yeah. no, I agree with you. But yeah, the Hogan one. Look what the ring was. He, people threw all that trash at him. <laughs> oh, I know. Like I said, they were like, they were already bad. Like that's that people already knew that these were the bad guys. And man, it just took it over the top. I agree with you on that. That was one of the best. <laughs> and nobody knew. <laughs> no, no, it caught us all by surprise. At least it caught me by surprise. I'm sure there's some people out there who say, oh, I knew it. But... <laughs> cool. I, I agree with you, the Hogan one. You want your number two? Yeah, shoot it at me. All right. What's your least favorite theme song? Oh, least favorite theme song. Man. I can tell you that there are theme songs that when they come on, I probably change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those would be Ahmed, Ahmed Johnson's theme song. When his came on, I had to be oh. on the channel because I could not handle an Ahmed Johnson match. Uh, always wanted him. Always wanted him to be good because he had a good look, and you know, and, and yeah. a former NFL player. And I always wanted him to be uh, a powerhouse. You know that they tried to uh, get to, to, you know, promote him as, and it just never, never really worked. But I can tell you that when I would hear his theme song back in the old days, it was a quick flip to another, you know, to WCW. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so some of them are kind of giveaways. Um, I tend to remember things I enjoyed more than things I didn't enjoy. Um, and like you said, I always thought that Gangrel's music was amazing. and D'Lo Brown's yeah. music was great. Um, I always yeah. loved, loved when his music would hit. And of course the glass breaking for, for Stone Cold, oh, yeah. iconic. And I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one too, like you said, Alma Johnson, I'll put with you there, that Savio Vega, I could not stand him. <laughs> Switch the channel for me on him. <laughs> you know, and that's what's interesting is, Without Savio, there's no, I mean, he's, if you go back and watch, I think, isn't he, he might, I, I hope I'm right on this. Uh, I think okay. he was Stone Cold's first opponent in a pay-per-view in WWF. Um, really? Yeah, I think it's Savio. I, I might be wrong being his first opponent, opponent in a pay-per-view. I might be mixing that up. Um, I'm not as good as some at remembering the facts exactly, but I know is that. Is he the ring, when he was the ringmaster or is it when he was Stone Cold? I think he's still the ringmaster. It's, it's a match. Okay. It might be, I might be remembering it because it's the first match of that, uh, the pay-per-view where the lights go out. Um, and it was, in oh. Arkansas, where they had, it was Arkansas or South Carolina, I can't remember, and they're having a big uh, storm at the time. Yes. And they I lose power. The yeah, that's, I didn't watch I that one. <laughs> I believe that's during a Stone Cold Savio Vega match. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I'd be, I'd be impressed with myself if I'm right on that, because I do okay. remember, I don't remember things correctly very often. I, I mix things up. I've heard him talk about together. that one. Uh, yeah, Bruce Pritchard talk about that one. Yeah. That the lights went out, that pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the match either when the lights went out or it was the first match of the paper. I can't remember exactly, but uh, <laughs> that's about the only thing I can remember straight up about Savio Vega. Um, <laughs> that comes okay. to mind. But uh, like I said, I, I can't think of like an actual bad song. Um, there, I mean, there were some funny ones back in the old WWF days, like Hillbilly Jim's Don't Go Messing With a yeah. Country Boy or, or kind of gimmicky ones like that from back in the day. But um, you know, WWF's done a great job with, with, oh. with their theme songs. And that guy them. that makes them, he's, he's a genius. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think of like, you know, Triple H's theme song or, or people like that. I mean, it's like become iconic. Um, yeah. Years. Um, and I think without the great theme songs, it's, it's harder to get over. 
Oh, know. I agree. Chris Jericho's break the walls down. <laughs> oh yeah. There's so many, so many great ones. I'm sure there's a lot of really bad ones that I'm not, not remembering. Oh, that's a tough question though. No, even um, Sonny's was good. <laughs> oh yeah. There was a time there when they, I mean, they were sell, selling albums like crazy of just the theme songs. Yeah. You know, those volume WWF volume, this volume one, two, three, four. I think I probably still have all those in my basement somewhere. I, I am going to tell you, I bought them all too. <laughs> Cause that was a mark. Oh yeah. So, but Triple H did say that when he was talking to Lemmy about him making his music, that you, a great walk into the, you know, theme song helps you too. Doesn't hurt oh, yeah. you. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And there's some, like I said, as soon as you hear them, you know who's coming out. I mean, like it's just yeah. it's become such an integral part of their, of their character. Whereas others, like I've always talked about when AJ debuted at Royal Rumble for WWF and that song hit, we'd never heard it. It was brand new. So we had no idea yeah. who was coming out. And now you hear that and you immediately think AJ Styles. So Oh, you know, and I went and bought it on iTunes. That's how good it was. It was catchy. Yeah, it was catchy. Yeah, it was good. And like I said, now you immediately think AJ Styles when you hear it. So whoever wrote that did a great job. Well, they said that Jimmy Hart wrote some songs. Oh, I yeah. Think, did he, did he, he wrote the Wolfpack one, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he wrote the theme song to the Wolfpack. He wrote a bunch. Um, there's been a few different guys who've written a, a ton of the theme songs throughout the years for them. But, yeah, Jimmy did a, has credit for a few of them for sure. And I think he wrote HBKs, or I could be wrong on that one. On Sexy Boy? I'm a Sexy Boy. I thought maybe he wrote that. I'd have to, I could I'd be to, wrong. I have to look it up. I don't – like I said, one up. I will. I, I, I wish I was – I've got to get better at, like, being able to look this stuff up during the podcast. Um, <laughs> Where's your producer at? Hey, you need I know. a producer. <laughs> I, need a, I, need a, I need a better producer. Wait, I'm my own producer. That's not good. I, I should – You got your – laptop google it <laughs> yeah i do I'm, I'm sitting in front of my laptop and I, I i know i could google it but i'm so fearful that i will mess something else up in the process that i'm not going right to. uh but i've got to get but, in a yeah. situation where i can look that stuff up as we do the podcast instead of having to correct it in the following podcast every time but, right uh you know that's just how it is cool all right when we go on to your third one all right uh least favorite gimmick Least favorite gimmick. Man, you went on the least side, so on these for me. I know uh, I had two. <laughs> I was like, should I do that one? And I was like, it just came to my head. Uh, well, I mean, that's good, though, because so many other people have asked me my favorite this or my favorite that during these. And with my voice being on all of these so far for the four questions, <laughs> it's kind of good to get some different questions like that. Um, but, oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one, too. Um, there's been a lot of guys wasted on bad gimmicks. For sure. And I'm, I think of what I'm going to go with, uh, one that jumps straight off my head um, uh, would be the, uh, well, Kruger was his name in NXT. And they brought, oh, yeah. and they, they brought him into uh, the main, onto the main roster as um, Adam Rose. Yeah. And that, the party gimmick that they gave him. And I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched some of the NXT with him when he, when he was the other character. And, okay. Uh, was at the top of NXT, but his in-ring work was great. And he was over as a, as a heel and okay. just worked that heel side really, really well. And, you know, and I would be honest, I was somewhat excited when he got brought up to the main roster and I thought, okay, here's a guy, you know, he's got pretty good size. He's got really good in-ring work. He plays the heel character really well. And they give him a gimmick character instead. Yeah. And they make him this, you know, almost a, I don't even know what they were going for. If they were going for like the, the character from like, get him to the Greek. 
Um, oh, yeah. Like a Russell Brand's character in those. Yes. If, that, if that's what they were going for on those, if that's what they were going for, then, and I made that connection, then I guess they, you know, they knew what they were doing. But um, I really felt like he deserved a lot better gimmick than that based on what he had done in NXT. And I thought he could have really gotten over on the main roster as, you know, his, as his more heels type character. That kind okay. of, the party animal character is only going to last so long. And I don't know where you go from there once you've yeah. been put in that. So I just don't, I mean, you saw the same thing with No Way Jose. I mean, yeah. basically handed that same character to him and, and it went the same route. You end up at the bottom <laughs> of the card as a joke. And, yeah. you know, and so I think that's I a, a, a really bad gimmick on a really good wrestler, in my opinion. I didn't watch NXT then, but I didn't like the Adam Rose character. I didn't care. When he came on, I could flip it. But then E60 did a documentary on NXT. Did you see him do it with him? No. They they talked to him a lot, and they showed that Kruger character, and I didn't know nothing about that. But I think he agreed. He didn't like the Adam Rose. <laughs> but that's what they asked him to do. Well, yeah. And, I mean, he, he I didn't ever feel like he didn't try. Um, it wasn't for lack of trying. And some guys came out of that. I mean, Braun Strowman was in the, his entourage of Adam Rose's entourage. I mean, so many guys, you know, there were some other people, you know, in that background. I think Mandy Rose may have been in there at some point. Yeah, I just, just heard that the other day. Yeah, about the yeah. her in it. So the whole gimmick wasn't a complete failure. I just felt like it was a waste of such a good in-ring worker. Um, and you never really um, got to see him wrestle much. <laughs> no, not at all. It, like I said, it was just a, a silly joke. And I don't know. I, I don't like that when a – it's one thing to stick that on a guy like Santino who can, you know, like never, I mean, Santino did some interesting work at OVW as a, actually as a Russian wrestler um, uh-huh. and did some really good work in a, as a part of a Russian tag team in OVW and then comes over to WWE and gets to, uh, you know, pretend to be, you know, win the European title in Europe and uh, kind of become slowly over time, much more of a comedic type character. And he did a tremendous job with it. Um, yeah. But he was, I never would have, you know, when I, to be honest, I never would have seen him as a main eventer. So doing that type right. of work, I felt was, you know, perfect for him and he got it over so well. But when I saw Kruger, I thought this is a, you know, this is a main eventer. This is de- definitely in my mind, somebody who could be an intercontinental champion and right. or, you know, our tag team champion. And then, you know, they give him a, a joke gimmick, ma- a gimmick and he, you know, didn't it flopped. Cr- yeah. They crept on him and then yeah. they never gave him another shot. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. And I mean, I know he had some issues on his own too. And, uh, you know, he, he's admitted to that kind of held him back, but I, I really yeah. felt like they missed the, missed the mark on that one for sure. Cool. All right. Well, the fourth one is one you already answered me. So I'll just change it up a little. Okay. You said most un- underrated. I'll give you most overrated. Who's your most overrated wrestler? Man, there's a lot of those too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A lot of guys who got pushed to the very top and uh, didn't crash and burned, crashed and <laughs> yeah. burned, or or just they forced on us that we just never. Uh, the fans just don't buy into. Um, yeah, that's it's still a tough one to answer though to put the the very pinnacle because you know different different guys jump into my head that I never thought should have been the main event over and over and over. Um, one being like I mean I. One that kind of always got me a little bit was Sid. And uh, um, yeah. I always thought Sid was going to be the next big thing. Like he was going to 
show up in one federation or the other, and he was going to be it. And right. he had the physical presence of an undertaker, the look of a stone cold Steve Austin. But unfortunately the, you know, the, the end ring work just wasn't there uh, to keep him at the top, either that, or maybe the promos. I mean, does have some interesting promos out there, but I, man, I thought he would always was going to be this, the hype was always really good. The, the backstory was good as him coming in and debuting. And then it would always just kind of uh, fall flat yeah. um, with Sid. That, he's one that kind of comes to mind as being a bit overrated um, throughout the years. Uh, some people blame that on different things. Some people say it's because he was always more interested in playing softball than he was wrestling. And some people just, you know, that he never really was put his you know, full effort into it. And if yeah. he had, he could have been one of the biggest things ever. And that very, very well may be the case. Another one I never got that actually did get to the very top and was there for a while was Yokozuna. I, oh. I, I never. I can agree with you on that one. I, yeah. I never, <laughs> I mean, I, I know that technically he was kind of a jobber by the end. They jobbed him out to, you know, get a lot of people over um, at the end of his career. But at that, pen, at that height of his uh, time in WWF when, you know, they're pushing him as the champion, and as a kind of an unstoppable force, I just never really got into it at all. I was never sold on Yokozuna's uh, character and, and the idea. Um, that was just me, my personal opinion. I never, never got it. And I, and I certainly, when you added Luger in the mix, who I, I really oh. didn't, I never cared for as an in-ring worker, uh, you get Luger and, and Yokozuna in the match together, and I'm turning the channel really quick. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not buying. the only one that says that about Luger. I think everybody says he was overrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's somewhat a product probably of his physical look. I mean, he yeah. looked amazing. Like, I mean, he was what everybody would at, the, at the, that time in wrestling wanted every, you know, wrestler to look like. And right. so his expectations were probably well beyond his, what his ability ever could have been. I mean, he was kind of billed to be the next Hulk Hogan. He had this, you know, great, amazing physical presence. And then, you know, I don't know, even if his in-ring work had been stellar, if he would have lived up to the expectation, but it wasn't. His in-ring work wasn't, you know, great. And, right. you know, it was very formulaic matches and a lot of closed lines. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You know, so it just, you know, another big hype guy. Now, I will say, in Luger's defense – when it comes to his yeah. in-ring work, not that I want to defend Lex Luger in any way, particularly, right. but his debut on Nitro was a huge night in professional wrestling. When he left, when he was on Raw and Nitro, basically on the same night, you know, like, yeah. you know, he's, that was a huge turning point for WCW in the um, Nitro. Uh, the the Bishop era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it's, um, you know, so you can't undersell that that was huge, um, a huge impact he made on professional wrestling in that situation. But I was just never a big Luger fan. Right. Either, so. could, could you say, could you say Goldberg's overrated? See, I or don't no, know. because he made the money. See, I don't know. I think that uh, Goldberg's streak, I mean, it, it had my attention. And yeah. I'll be honest, in WCW, I watched Goldberg's streak. And I remember, I remember when Goldberg debuted. I was actually watching that match. I think it's his debut. 
and it's he, he was going up against the Renegade, which was uh, it's that's the first match I remember seeing um, Goldberg. Goldberg, on. yeah. And he beat he beats Renegade. Now Renegade was a character that was kind of a um, a uh, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. Gone. It was he yeah. was a copy of the Ultimate Warrior, and uh, right. I. And he had gotten a bit pretty, you know, solid push in WCW, not a main event push, but he had been, um, I think uh, he may have even had a belt here or there, but he, uh, when Goldberg came out and just dominated the Renegade, like just dominated him. Right. I was like, whoa, I can even remember t uh, like calling uh, my friend Adam and being like, hey, did you see that? Were you watching, you know, WCW or WWF? Because he watched both as well. I said, did you see that guy you know, that came out, kind of looked like Stone Cold, you know, as everybody yeah. said, kind of looked like Stone Cold, but bigger. And um, I was, and uh, of course, you know, I'm trying to figure out who he is, and of course, my you know, understanding of college back, uh, college football, and um, right. you know, SEC football, you know, quickly figured out who he was, and um, his background. But man, uh, I, I was sold on that gimmick and the, and the streak. So, and that was a big thing for WCW. That that held them in the ratings for a long time, and and had them competing at you know a really hard working WWE at the time, and. So I think yeah. he earned his spot at, in professional wrestling. I think his, um, I think the fact that he didn't grow up in professional wrestling or grow up in a, you know, isn't a legacy of any sort has people that, you know, kind of don't respect him as much, <clears throat> or maybe he took it for granted sometimes, yeah. uh, grant, you know, granted for times yeah. when he um, uh, would get pushes that other guys felt they had earned. Um, but I really feel like he earned his spot in professional wrestling with this time in WCW. Oh, he, he got on ratings. Like you said, I watched it. I was intrigued every week too. When's he going to lose? When's he going to lose? But then I didn't, like I was telling you, I didn't look back then about the wrestling. He was kind of like that attraction. He just went in there and he killed you real quick. He didn't wrestle. He didn't have to wrestle. That's what they used him for. <laughs> right. And that was the gimmick. I mean, if, 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 you know, if you know a guy isn't, going to put on a, a quality 10 minute match don't put him in a 10 minute match you know right. if you if he looks great spearing you jackhammer and pinning then have him spear jackhammer and pin you i mean that's yeah. just that's good promoting and so i don't bl ever blame a guy for good promoting if they get a guy over um you know especially rumor, to that level yeah did you hear the story about what regal they asked regal to go in there and i think he got fired for it no I'm trying to do a real real match with me look that oh. up and read it okay like so Regal tried, Regal tried to, to wrestle him? Yeah, wrestle him in the match and try to shoot on him a little. Regal, right. uh, look that up. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember all the jizz, but I think Regal got fired over it. <laughs> well, I can see a Regal, Regal doing that for sure. I think he's, he's certainly old school. He's, he's a guy I have a tremendous respect for. And if you were going to, yeah. you know, if I was ever listing, you know, four totally underrated guys who I thought, you know, could have been just major superstars had it not been for whether it was, you know, incidents on airplanes or, or whatever causes right. issues in the wrestling business along the way. He was, I always enjoyed a great regal match and he, I mean, he could, he could work with anybody and he could wrestle anybody. And uh, I think I could see him being that old school guy who tried to, uh, you know, work a few shoot on, on. on shoot yeah. on Goldberg a little bit. Um, another guy I probably would have never stuck Goldberg in the ring with would have been um, uh, Holly, Bob Holly. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, might, that might be a really bad guy to stick him in the ring with, too, because Holly was known for, for wising people up to the business a little bit. So uh, um, there's probably some guys you want to keep a, a Goldberg-type character away from early on, for sure. 
And that does it for another episode of King of the Cast. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at King of the Cast and send us any questions or comments that you have. If you'd like to be a guest on one of these four questions episodes, send me a message and we'll see what we can work out. For now, I'm Rick from King of the Cast and I hope you enjoyed four questions with Jason Gary.